0: Amen. Thank you, Haley. Great job. She didn't forget anything. So, Pregnancy Brain did not win today. It's awesome. Uh, So glad to be with you all this morning. It is just going to be so fun. It already has been. Thank you worship team. Just great job. Um, and those of you are online with us. As we continue to dig into our second Timothy series that we've been in, this is the second to last week. I want to uh, invite you that if you'd like to follow along with what we uh, are going to share today, some of the points. There's a bunch of stuff on the Bible app today that we're not going to even be able to get all the way into. Uh, you can get to that by going to connect2riverside.com slash Bible or pull out that version. Bible app on your phone, iPad, whatever, and you can click on events, click on those three dots over there, and, and then uh, select events, and then Riverside, and you can get to all of the stuff this morning, all the scriptures, all the uh, notes, all that kind of stuff, and follow along that way if you'd like. So it's been a really fun series going through 2 Timothy, and I don't know about you, but it's been so timely with what's going on right now. Uh, And we continue that conversation today uh, because Paul is writing from a jail cell at the very end of his life, awaiting his execution, and he's sharing God-inspired what is the most important thing for him to say, to share with uh, Timothy, who's his primary disciple. Uh, The other part about that, though, is that this wouldn't just be expected to be read by Timothy. This was going to be expected to be read by all the uh, church in Ephesians and spread around. That was pretty normal. So these are the things that Paul, inspired by God, feels like, wow, gosh, we just got You have to see this. You have to know this. You have to hear this if this is the last thing I get to share with you. And John's been doing a great job. Bishop did a great job walking us through uh, different pieces of that. And today we're going to kind of continue in that process. And and today, I feel like where we're at is where Paul is kind of at that point where he's like, hey, nobody ever told you this, right? And if you think about this, doesn't this happen so much in life? Like, Nobody really tells you what it's like to be married, do they? Right. You, you can go through marriage pre-marriage counseling. You know, we could do all this great stuff. You can watch your parents. You can do all these things, but until you experience it, you just don't really know what it is, what it takes, how you have to do it, right? It, and it's a lot different, maybe, than sometimes in all the honeymoon phases of it. But as we're getting married as we go over time it just takes a little bit different work different effort maybe than it would be expected same thing with parenting nobody tells you can read every book in the world but until you're actually a parent you just don't really know right no book tells you hey when your teenage kid says this how do you respond there's not that book out there Um, and so it just it's one of those things like that and I feel like Paul in this little section is saying hey This is true of your spiritual journey, of your spiritual growth, of your spiritual maturity. It's just this interesting thing. And if you're like me, your spiritual journey has looked less like, you know, this just perfect 45 degree, you know, plan that we all want for our stocks and all that, our business and all that kind of stuff. And it looks a whole lot more like... Oh, uh, wait, uh, okay, get back over here. Wait, whoa, wait, Whoa. what was that? You know, I mean, this is like our spiritual journey, right? It's like, whoa, where am I? What? What's the next right thing? And it's just this experience that even if you were told at the very beginning of following Jesus, it would be hard to even hear or understand. And so Paul's sharing with Timothy this leader at the Church of Ephes- in the Church of Ephesians, his disciple, hey, here's some things that are so important that you just have to know about your spiritual journey and about the spiritual journey of all of the people in your community. And so we're going to back up two verses into 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16, just to set this all up. And here's what Paul says. Has to say to Timothy. Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's key. That the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. So, what are you supposed to be equipped for? Good works, right? To do something. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who is, who is going to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. And that verse 1 is kind of like a transitional verse from those to what we're going to see. And it's basically at the end of the days. I mean there's lots of things we could dig into that we just don't have time for today. But at the end of the day, the key is this matters to God. Your spiritual life, your journey, it matters to God. You're supposed to be trained. You're supposed to be equipped. And you're supposed to do good works. You're supposed to live out in a way that impacts the world around you. And it matters. Now here's one of the interesting things about the biblical authors. right? We live in a totally different world. Paul didn't have... Word or pages or something like that, that he could just type every single thing that he wanted to share or God might have given him to share as the inspired word of God, right? That didn't exist. Okay there was no social media so like when you go well what did Jesus really do right nobody was taking like an instagram photo of Jesus making breakfast for Peter right At the, or anything like that or putting on social media the picture of the disciples retreat or you know any any of those kind of things right none of the apostles Peter Paul weren't on youtube saying hey smash that subscribe button and listen to this message right that, that stuff didn't exist we only have this small, like they just had this little bit of parchment to use. And so what's the stuff that really matters? And what Paul is showing us, inspired by God, is what matters is that we move and grow in our spiritual maturity and our spiritual growth. But it's messy business. It's not just this easy thing, right? And so what we see as we move forward is that It matters how you train, it matters that you train, and it matters that you live out what God desires for you to live out. It's important to God, and it matters for each and every one of us. So in verse 2, he continues with this idea. We're going to camp out here a little bit today. He says, Preach the message. Be ready whether it is convenient or not. Some of your versions might say, in season or or out. Um, convenient or not, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and instruction. One of the things that we see with Paul is that Paul understands some of the basics of training, right? Some of the basics of training. One of the things John shared with us a few weeks ago was that where we focus our attention matters, right? Where we focus our attention determines our direction and our destination, Right, so we've got to stay focused in our training. And Paul shows us that in this passage here. How we invest really matters. Let me just tell you, I have two teenage boys right now, and they're punks because everything they do, it's like, man, they go to the gym and it's like so easy, and they come back and look, man, I'm getting shot right. Me, I'm 40 now. It is hard, right? I've got to be really intentional about my investment. I've got to be intentional about what I eat. I've got to be intentional about working out and what, the ways I work out. And if I take a little bit of a gap on any of that stuff, oh my goodness, right? I'm not a a teenager anymore that could just do whatever. Oh, so how we invest really matters. And how we invest over time matters because life changes, our situation changes, we change, right? So what I did when I was a teenager isn't going to work now that I'm 40 and I've got to be changing and listening to the Lord and growing in how I invest. And here's the other part. It's always about will you stay faithful, right? No matter what kind of training you do, what matters at the end of the day is also are you going to commit? Will you really follow through with this consistently over time, right? So what Paul shares with us is he starts out and says, there's an expectation that you're going to preach, right? That your life is going to preach a message. That doesn't always mean getting up and doing this. It doesn't mean leading a, a study necessarily or whatever. It's that your life is sending a message. And the truth is, it's preaching a message loud and clear, whether you admit it or believe it or not. All of our lives are. It's preaching something to the world. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter how you live, it's sending a message. And so our lives are expected to preach a message, but ours are expected to preach a message of hope, right? A message of Jesus giving all of himself, dying on the cross, allowing his blood to be poured out so that you and I, can walk in a right relationship with God so that we can grow in spiritual maturity and experience all the things we sung about this morning. Right? That's the whole thing, that we're supposed to grow and move forward. But there's a difference between learning information and experiencing transformation. Right? We all hope that school's going to start soon, and we hope, think, right? All those kind of things. And that's, hey... If you're a teacher, you've ever been in that role, you have little kids, you know there's a difference. I can teach a kid all kinds of information. It's not going to mean a lick if they don't actually experience some kind of change within them, grasp onto it, and do something with it, right? At the end of the day, that's always our desire is that we're moving forward in some way, not just learning information. And so you've got to train. You've got to be ready in season or in out, whether it's convenient or it's not, right? Uh, Think about the Spurs here just won their first game of the little restart deal. They might not win another one, but at least they trained enough while they were at home and all this kind of stuff that they won the first one. I'm just excited about that. Uh, And so, I mean, we see that stuff going on. It actually reminds me of a story that I just love. There was this man a long, long time ago. And in his prayer time, he was praying and he was asking God, God, who who am I? Like, who do you believe that I am? What would you have for me to do? And he was faithful and faithfully just prayed to the Lord consistently. And one time in his prayer life, He heard the Lord very clearly. He knew it was the Lord that said, Hey, son. He said, Yes, Father. He said, You know that rock on your way to work every day that you walk by? It's this big old boulder that's there. You know that that big one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lord, I know. I know, Father. Yeah. He said, okay, what I want you to do is every morning on your way to work, I want you to go, and I want you to give everything you've got, and I want you just to push on that rock and give it everything, right? And I want you to just do that every day. He says, okay, I I can do that. So he goes, and he's all excited, like if you've ever like just really clearly heard something from the Lord, and you're like, oh, okay, right? And he goes and he finds that big huge boulder on his way and he just pushes with everything he's got. And he's sweating and pushing and pushing and he keeps pushing. He doesn't know how long he's supposed to push. It's not really moving. He's pushing and just pushing everything he's got, right? And then eventually he's just exhausted and you just feel like when you do something like that, there's just this moment when you're like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. Uh, I can move on. Right, So he goes about his day, goes about his business, and, and every day he does that, pushes on this rock every day. Week. Weeks turn into months, months turn into years, and he's pushing, and he's pushing. And one day he's there pushing on that rock, and he hears the voice of the enemy, and he says, what are you doing? Have you noticed anything that's changed? Has this rock even moved, this boulder even moved the tiniest bit? What's, this is pointless. What are you doing, wasting your time, pushing on this boulder? And he knows it's an enemy and he kind of plays it off. Whatever, he goes to work, he goes about his day and... The next day comes and he's running a little late and he goes, oh, I'll just push on that boulder in the evening um, on my way back. And, and he does, he comes back, he pushes on the boulder. Well, a couple days later, he's running late. Oh, I'm going to just do it in the evening and then he forgets. He's still running late and he just doesn't do it. And, and then before long, he, it's been a few days and then a few days turn into a few weeks and months and however long, right, it's been. And then he's at home one day in prayer, asking the Lord things, talking to the Lord about stuff. And he hears the voice of the Lord say, Son, he says, yes, Father. He says, I miss you at the rock. Oh, it just cuts him. But it also just ticks him off just makes him angry and he just lets loose like I don't know if you've ever had that moment he just lets loose with the Lord and he goes but Lord why would you have me go push on that stupid boulder it never did anything it was just a waste of my time why would you make me do that why would you ask me to do that over and over and over again push and push and push why God lets him kind of get it all out and then he just says well do you remember that time in the village when that widow's house caught on fire, and you were able to run in there and hold up the center beam on, their ho- on that house, and until she was able to get out, and other people help her get out, and you had the strength to hold that up? Yeah. Yes. Or. Do you remember when your friend Simone was going to, uh, had this ox cart and it fell over and it was crushing him and you were able to go pick it up until he was able to squeeze out and get out from under it and he was okay? Yes, Lord. Do you remember how all the children used to love just... Climbing on you when you're going about your business, and you'd carry them around and just brighten their day because you'd give them attention and because you had you could and were able to just carry them around as you went. Yes, yes, Lord. He was quiet for a minute. He said, "Father." I said yes, son. I'll see you at the Rock in the morning. I tell that story because it encapsulates all of the little things that we see of what Paul, inspired by God at the very end of his life with the little bit of resources that he had, would want us to hear. That what matters is where is my focus? How am I investing? And am I going to be faithful? What happens so many times is that we refocus our spiritual life on us. And if your spiritual training is focused on you, it's misplaced. It's just misplaced. It's got to be twisted around and focused on the Lord and focused on other people. And so Paul shows us in this one verse here in verse 2 some really important things that, that matter first of all he shows us that it's in your spiritual training it's relationship right it's preach it's connect with people it's tell them this say this do this right these ways it's relationship that's the calling of the church is relationship it's discipleship and nothing in the church works without true genuine relationship and so we're supposed to invest and connect right I've experienced relationships like this on uh, my journey. One of them is a guy named, uh, his name's Bo Klein, and he's a good friend of mine. He's been uh, for a long time. Uh, gosh, I don't even know now, probably 15 to 20 years now. And um, the funny thing is, he would probably tell you, Oh, I've never done. I've never been a mentor or invested in Jason in any of these ways, but he's literally someone who, when I've been stuck in a blizzard on a bus with 50 teenagers, that I knew I could call and would answer and would drop things and help me, right? He's that that type of a person. He's taken my little kids from me and Mindy and said, Y'all need a break. I'm taking your kids. See you later here's my convertible, y'all go have fun for a little bit, right? And we're like, uh, okay, right? But there's no doubt about trusting him. He's spoken into my life over and over things that I could have never even begun to believe about myself. He's shared with me. He's held me accountable when he's noticed a thing or, hey, let's, let's look at this and maybe redirect I've had the opportunity to work with him and experience what this real like working relationship could look like when you truly just trust each other and how fun that can be. He's introduced me to so many things that have changed the course and direction of our family um, like Pineco Family Camp and just these little uh, things like that and all these ways. And what Paul shows us is that it takes people investing in people, to grow and be who God desires us to be. And so in this verse 2, he gives us some keys to discipleship. And you'll probably see them up on the screen or on your Bible app. First one is simple. You receive, you release, and you repeat. Right? you got to be ready in season and out. You receive from the Lord, you receive from him, you know, directly from him through other people. You invest in other people, you release it, and you repeat. And the cycle keeps on going. There's not this ability really just to continue to take and take and take and take and take from the Lord. At some point he's going to say, hey, give it, give it, give it. And as you give it, I promise I'll be right there and I'll keep filling, I'll keep filling, I'll keep filling, right? And so there's got to be this process. The only thing that can take you out of God's plan for your life is you. You losing focus. You not investing the way that God's directing you to. And you not being faithful. I know. I've done it over and over again. He keeps, you know, the... Okay, I'm sorry. I'll come back, right? I tell you the story of the rock because... That's one of those things that in my personal life, and my prayer time, that when I'm a little bit out of line with God, I always hear him say, meet me at the Rock. I miss you at the Rock. Right? then he talks about then as we speak to each other, as we walk through relationship with each other, we have these responsibilities to reprove or shine a light into areas of growth. And that's really the best picture is shining a light. For some reason this weekend we decided that we would rearrange our garage and organ, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, when you're digging around for something and you got to get a flashlight to find it. And you're like, oh, what is that, right? And in each other's lives, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to shine the light of the gospel on our souls and say, hey, what, what is, Linda, what is that right there? And it might be a really great, you know, good thing. It might be like a, I'm, I'm a little concerned. What is that? Right, But we're supposed to bring it to light. We're supposed to shine the light in those dark places so that God can do a work and remove those and, and heal them and, and overcome them the way that he desires for our lives. We're supposed to be clear about areas of opposition to the gospel. And that's that rebuke part. And this is huge. So please hear this. There's been way too many people hurt in life, in our world, by Christians rebuking them. Okay? What this means is that it's always gospel focused. It's not my opinion. And it's always for the other person's best. And it's always with grace. But we're supposed to stand up and say, hey, I notice this, and this doesn't go along with the gospel. This doesn't go along with where the Lord would want you and what is best for you, right? And help people redirect. Instill courage and call to take a step of faith. That's that exhort or encourage part, right? And the best way to understand this is it's really instilling courage in people. So it's like, you know, when you've had that little toddler that's just learning to walk, right? Or the kid that's learning to swim, and you're like, come on, swim to me, walk to me, and then you just kind of keep moving back a little bit, right? It's like you're instilling courage for them to keep taking those faith steps and get over the line to where they need to be, right? And that's what we're called to do. And he says we're supposed to do all of this with patience and understanding. So we've got to let go of our own personal timeline okay don't own a clock this isn't your journey it's theirs and it's between them and the lord to get through it and they're going to mess up and and you can't get frustrated and angry and destroy a relationship because they didn't do it the way that you thought they should in the time that they should have right because guess what you never did that either i haven't either we're all on this crazy journey adventure with the Lord and we all get it wrong and we don't notice all those kind of things. I heard this amazing older retired from ministry couple uh, one time say this at a conference that stuck with me all my life and it's that you aren't called to be right. You're called to be humble, right? And if I'm humble, if I care about them instead of caring about what's right, that I can back off a little bit and be patient, right? And then finally, it takes understanding to change values and perspective. Here's the deal: if you just change behavior without changing values and perspective, without understanding, you're only setting somebody up for worse results. Right? You have to, no matter how you help somebody correct how you encourage them, it's got to come with understanding. Parents, we know this, right? Especially when we get to those teenage years, it's not good enough to say just do this. It's I need to help you understand and see why it's important to make this type of decision. To change the way you see this situation. You didn't even notice these things. Let me help you see that. And that sets people up for spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And all of this is important, and it matters. In verses 3 and 4, Paul, inspired by God with what little resources he has, says this, For there will be a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching... Instead, following their own desires, they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an insatiable curiosity to hear new things. And they will turn away from the hearing of the truth. But on the other hand, they will turn away also from myths. It matters because can you imagine a time or a season where people won't tolerate sound teaching and they'll just believe whatever they see? Can you imagine a time where my own bias determines what I believe is right or wrong before I ever even research what's right or wrong? Can you imagine a time where people will believe their truth instead of the truth? I mean, can you just imagine such things? Can you imagine when a time when people will lose focus, even faithful people will lose focus, and dive into things that just don't really matter and take up most of their time? Can you imagine a world that even is not anti-Jesus, but just anti-religious? Let me share a couple of interesting things with you. 33%, a study in 2019, that 33% of American adults attend church regularly, more than, which means one or more times a month. Okay, 33%. One third. 79% regularly use social media. And the average time a day spent on social media, this is in 2019, so I imagine it could even be higher, is 155 minutes a day. A day. Right? Right? There are roughly, according to the Bulverdi Spring Branch Economic Foundation in the Bolverde Spring Branch area, about 30,000-ish people. By my just kind of guess calculation, looking around, you know, trying to put things together, if all the churches did multiple services a day and they were all filled on one, like on a Sunday, we could probably fit about eight or 9,000 people. In churches, you know, on a normal Sunday morning with multiple services. So that's about a third. So a third of people, it's just, doesn't even matter. I remember going on a trip to Vancouver with some seniors, and one of the reasons we went there was because it's the most religiously diverse city in North America, or was at the time. But if every church facility, every religious type, not just Christian, was filled at the same exact time, it could fit 2% of the population. So can you imagine a time where people would be, like, just not even religious at all? Just do their thing, right? There's a little chart I want to show you guys real quick that shows if you take all that time that we spend on social media these other things and add it all up over the course of a lifetime so it says six years eight months on social media right watching TV eight years four months and I I don't say any of these things that like make anybody feel bad Uh, you know if you get your your little screen weekly screen time updates you know I don't know about you but sometimes I open that and I'll go that's embarrassing I hope nobody sees that right Um, but I say this because we're supposed to stay focused and trained and participate in what God wants us to do and invest, right? And I'm not saying don't do these things, but six years, eight months. I wonder if we took three years off of that alone, what God could do. I wonder what God could do in three years. Some of you will get that later. I wonder what God could do with my life if I gave him an extra three years of it, of my focus and my attention, am I right? I'm not saying don't do at all any of those things. I'm saying what if we just refocused priorities a little bit and maybe didn't do quite as much. Here's the deal. The world isn't our enemy. And Paul shows us what the world is going to be like and what the world is because we need to understand it. We need to um, to be aware of it enough that we can have an impact in it because the world isn't our enemy. It's the hostage of the enemy and we're preparing for a part in the rescue mission. And so we got to know and be honest and aware about what's going on so that we can train the right way to be ready to get in the game, Right? Last verse here. You, however, be self-controlled in all things, endure hardship, do an evangelist work, fulfill your ministry. So here's just some quick things that you could do today. Four steps you can take today. Be self-controlled in your training. I've coached a ridiculous amount of little kids in sports. And you know what's the most frustrating thing about coaching? It's seeing the kids that are really talented that don't have the initiative or discipline to see it through, right? Oh, man, it's the most frustrating thing. Let's not be those participants. Let's not be those players. Because here's the deal. God's called you. If he's called you into his family and you've responded in faith to him, then you're skilled and you're gifted and he's called you for a reason and he wants you to play in the game on the team and not just sit on the bench. And so be self-controlled. Be ready and willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Man, this one stinks, doesn't it? But over and over in this book we see you're going to suffer, you're going to write, you're going to all these things. It's part of the journey that we're going to go through. Jesus did it. He suffered way worse than I think I will ever suffer. It's part of the journey. And the way that you respond to suffering will speak an unbelievably powerful message to those around you. Share the good news wherever you go. Share the good news wherever you go. And there's that old saying: "And sometimes use words because our whole life speaks a gospel message, not just our words." And so it's important that we share the gospel wherever we go because we have been found by a gracious God, right? And spiritual maturity—it's—it's understanding that there's always a sinful we and a gracious He. And you've heard that hurt people hurt people. Well, you know what else? Found people find people. And so we've got to share the gospel message. We've got to invest and step into it. In fact, that's why we're called Riverside. The name Riverside comes from the image of the river. And God is saving and pulling people out of the river... And we're standing there with wet feet ready to grab their hands, grab their arms, and pull them out, right? So we got to be focused on what we're supposed to do, who we are. we got to be trained and ready and grounded. And then we've got to be faithful to actually be there so that they can take our hand and step out, right? That's, our, that's who we are. The real sign of spiritual maturity is an outward-facing, sacrificial love. It's outward-facing, sacrificial love. It's not how much you learn. It's not how much you know. It's how you live. And I just want to take a minute, if I can, and just say thank you. Many of you probably know Maybe not, but many of you probably do know that. Of the last nine months, we've been going through a really difficult situation with our family. Uh, my amazing 39-year-old, beautiful, uh, brilliant, talented wife—probably the kindest person I know—has um, been just dealing with some disease that we're still trying to figure out. That's left her debilitated to the point of mostly bedbound she hasn't been able to drive since february 6th was the last time that she drives, drove so she was in quarantine like a month before all the rest of us um, and it's just been tough it's hard she's going through something that i i mean i can't even fully understand cuz it's all going on inside of her and trying to love her we've got three kids uh, two teenagers and my princess who's going into fifth grade and it's just a hard season But everything that I'm sharing today about stepping into our spiritual maturity and doing it this way, we've seen over and over and over from you all. All the just phone calls, texts, checking in, the prayers, meals, things like, you know, like that, helping out financially just because, I mean, it just gets out of control. I mean, it just gets wild so fast. Financially, giving the boys rides to different things and the kids, you know, and all all of it. Every single thing has been huge, has been powerful and all at the right time. It was really cool one day to tell the kids, hey, we've got some groceries that are coming. Somebody asked me what y'all's favorite snacks are. And they just want to get those for y'all, right? And their faces, people, somebody would care about us to do that. And as a pastor's kids, I can just tell you, my kids have seen some ugly parts of the church. But not from you. What they've seen has been beautiful and faithful and kind and generous. And I know that that will be with them their whole life. And so I want to say thank you the calling that God would give us inspiring Paul to share with us all those years ago to hear today are things that you're already doing. I'm not saying that you're not. So this week, maybe we just take on a little bit of a challenge, a good news challenge. And we just say, hey, wherever I go, wherever God allows me to be, I'm just going to try to live good news wherever that is, maybe for you, it's, God, I've lost focus and I need your help. Will you refocus me? God, maybe it's, I'm just, I haven't been investing the way that I should with my life, with my time, with, I'm I'm off and I care about all these other things and you're not first. Maybe I just need to push into that and develop some relationships with people who can love me along the journey and that I can pour out to so I can receive and release and repeat, right? Maybe it's just telling God, God, I'll see you at the rock tomorrow. I took myself out of the game. Thank you for being right there and ready to put me right back in. I'm ready, put me in, coach. And being faithful to step back in. And let's see how this crazy, wild journey that God has us on in our spiritual growth, what comes out of it. Because what God can do with just a little bit extra of us, it's unbelievable. He could even change the whole world. This hopeless world that we live in, that everyone is looking around, trying to find, and they're tickled and get, seeing all the things that... Inter- what if they just saw the one who is the hope and they met him and started following him because of the ways that we are? beautiful. I want everybody else to experience what our family has experienced. Not all the hard part, but the love part. So thank you.